Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. This is Elijah Fire episode 202. It's March 24th, 2023. Very exciting. This is going to be a great episode, you guys. Um, this guest, a lot of you guys were like, bring her back. And we brought her back. Very exciting. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. That'll really help us out. Um, also, next week, um, Mariah is on vacation. So we are going to be batch uploading them pretty much, I think, next weekend. So all the episodes next week. I'll be saying this every day next week as well, but all of the episodes next week are going to be, um, they're going to be uploaded that, that weekend. So um, batch uploaded. So, uh, cause we want Mariah to, to go and actually have a vacation. Cause last time she had time off, she was actually, cause she's a DJ as well, uh, uh for, a, a, a radio station in Des Moines, Iowa. And she, uh, she had to cover an event, a concert or something like that. And she, had a great time and we love her and we want to give her that freedom. So uh, yeah, next week she won't be there. So we'll be uploading all the episodes next week, that following weekend. I eat. Okay. Uh, I think that's it. We're going to jump right in because we got a lot of material. We got a lot to cover. It's going to be a great episode. My guest today, she's a really just a solid teacher. I mean, she's amazing. So uh, she's also the leader of Revive the Way. Let's give it up for my guest today, Rayma Trainer. Hey. Hey, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, so really quick, just in case people don't, they weren't here last time. What is Revive the Way? So um, Revive the Way is basically just an apostolic movement. We um, have collaborative team leadership with lots of different fivefold leaders um, mm-hmm. from around the world. Um, we're planting house churches in the United States, Canada, some a couple of places in Europe, Australia and New Zealand. And then... Um, planting some hubs kind of in various places, which is kind of like will turn into apostolic hubs eventually, but church planting hubs and yeah. 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 Very cool. I think, didn't you post an, a map recently of all these different areas that you're doing these apostolic hubs? Um, I th- probably, <laughs> yeah, I was on the, I just yeah. wanted to see the map. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I post a lot of things. I, sure. <laughs> um, we have, so we have hubs starting um, in about maybe five different places in the States. And then in Perth, Australia, in Christchurch, New Zealand, um, eventually in London. Um, right now, there's something being pioneered in France, just right oh, outside Paris. So cool. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's all through partnership, right? It's not just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm personally doing all this stuff. Like it, it's people who are like, hey, I don't care whose name is on this. I don't care you know, like, which I'll talk about, you know, in kind of the, the topics I want to touch on today. It's, it's, it's so much bigger than one person, mm-hmm. but I feel like God's been, you know, using me in, in our movement, at least to create some frameworks and just help release people, yeah. you know, into what they're meant to be doing. And we're all just doing it in, in partnership and in team and in family. So it's, um, it's honestly been so, so fun for the first time, because like a lot of pioneers probably could also, uh, testify that there's a lot of years where it's not fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so there were a lot of years where it wasn't fun and yeah. um, now it feels fun. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and it's probably so encouraging to like, you know, when you, when you get something from the Lord and you start to pursue it and then you actually start to see the people show up. 
Um, yeah, you know, that's gotta be encouraging. Um, you know, it, it definitely, there was a massive shift that happened, um, almost exactly three years to the date. So it, and there's a whole like prophetic thing around that. Um, but there was three years where it was so hard, like mm -hmm. coming here and, you know, for eight years, it's been a little hard, but for three years, it was particularly hard. And, you know, God was just doing a lot of stuff in us. He, you know, before you start multiplying something, God has to work on the DNA of that mm -hmm. thing, you know? And so that three years was a lot of that. It was like reforming us personally, sure. reforming the ministry, reforming everything. And then it was like, man, three years, almost to the day. Actually, it was, it was three years to the day from when we moved to this city um, that there was like um, some, like we did this uh, little event called the symposium sessions, which I was going to cancel like four times. I had like four emails drafted to cancel this whole event. Cause I was just so over doing things. Like I was yeah. like, I'm not doing anything else. Like <laughs> I'm not planning anything else. I don't care if people come to anything else I ever do. I'm never doing anything. <laughs> yeah. And so I almost canceled it four times and I just, it just happened. Cause like I didn't cancel it in time. Like literally that's all like that's yeah. how like, you know, discouraged and just like whatever I was at that point. Yeah. And we ended up filming these conversations called the symposium sessions and they're on our YouTube. Um, but there were four conversations about the future of the church and about the shift of the new wine skin, what God is doing, um, what is reformation, what is apostolic, what, what, why house church, what, like all, all these different questions that mm -hmm. some, you know, a lot of people are asking in the church, maybe they don't have full language for it. So we did these conversations with a, with probably about 16 different leaders from different places and ended up, you know, filming those, putting those out there. And I think that was one of the catalysts for people like joining in this conversation and realizing that God, you know, was calling them as well, like wow. into this kind of expression. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, typically in the past we would do like, Oh, an open house to um, talk about kind of planting house churches, what we're doing, whatever, mm -hmm you know, 15 people would come and it's like, we were like, let's do an open house. Like 300 people came, you know Dude. what I mean? So totally shifted, wow. you know? And so God is like, so funny because I was just like, all right, I'm done. He's like, perfect. And then <laughs> now I can work with her, perfect. <laughs> um, you know? So then really from that point, it just really like took off. Wow. Um, so very quickly. Yeah. Well, last time we talked a little bit about new wine skin um, you know, but we talked a lot about your process of getting to this place, um, in a little bit more detail. So if people are curious and they haven't listened to it, just go check out the last time she was on, I believe it was in, it was last month, I think sometime like early last month. Um, so, um, Ramo, what are we going to be talking about today? <laughs> well, I think a great topic would be the new wine skin. What is the new wine skin? Really diving into it. Yeah. Yeah. Going a little deeper, which I, I do have a whole course on this, which I don't even know if in that course I'm going to talk about everything I talk about today, because I feel like this revelation is constantly expanding, you know, and I think that's it's been interesting even for me, because I'll put something out there and then six months later, you're like, oh, I would say that a little bit different now, mm -hmm. or I would frame yeah. that a little different or yeah. I would like put this this way. So um, that course is, is great, though. I think it gives a great um, kind of introduction to the to the thought, to the paradigm. Um, and that's free. You know, anyone can, can take that if they would like to. And that's the new wineskin era course. It is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's in the description, everybody. Yeah. And that's free on my online school. And, um, yeah, so I just, I want to kind of 
touch on some of these different topics that are within that genre. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because there's so there's so many different things I could talk about, and I won't. Even, I don't even know if I'll if I'll touch on everything in my notes or if I'll um, diverge from that and kind of mm -hmm. go in a different way. But I just want to talk within this within the new wineskin paradigm. So just different topics that are within that. So there's you know fivefold ministry within that. There's you know the shift out of kind of this old um, Western church paradigm, which is a very triangular paradigm to understanding a new paradigm that's more circular of leadership and the way the church blueprint functions. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about um, kind of this moment we're in, you know, in the line that God is kind of drawing in the sand, honestly, between pride and humility. Okay. That's been a big, big piece right now. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of people are looking at and thinking about new wineskin and they're like, oh yeah, cool. So who else is doing house churches? Who else is doing apostolic hubs? And then it's like, okay, if you're doing that, well then you're new high five. And then everybody else is old. And it's like, it's not that simple. Mm. It's really not that simple. And that's, to me, that's a really, um, that's kind of more of a base level understanding of what's going on right now in the, in the body. Um, I think I probably used to think like that, you know, three, four years ago. But God has helped me to see through his perspective, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And he's helping us understand that the real line of like who is new wineskin, right? Like who's going in <laughs> to this new era, you know, because there's a dividing line in the church right now where the false church and the true church is being exposed. Undeniably. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. Like where the, where the true church really is being exposed. And what does that mean? False church and true church. It doesn't mean this denomination on this side, this denomination on this side. It means that he's saying who will will come under the lordship of Jesus and who will not. It really just is about pride and humility, hmm. which is why there's so much right now about um, the fear of the Lord coming back to the church hmm. and about those of us who are in leadership in any way, really submitting ourselves to a new level of humility and to a deep, a deep level of humility that Jesus really does lead the church. Because if we all are in this place of humility, then Jesus really can lead us and he can change our frameworks. He can change our structures. He can change how we gather. He can change all these things on the outside. But right now there's a lot of inner work happening in people to see if they really are willing to, to lay down a lot of things to see if they're willing to, to make different choices, if they're willing to let go of the stuff they built, if they're willing and so that's really a lot of where I think at least that line is of like, what is the new wineskin? What's not the new wineskin? Like, yes, I think there's a place that we're going. I think that there's actual things that that will look like. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I don't think we're there yet to like draw that line and say, well, that leader's this or that leader's that. I, it's just so early because I know so many people that, you know, are, are in the, you know, what I would consider, you know, the Western church framework still. And that's like the context of their ministry. But I know what God's been speaking to them on the in, like in the background. I know the things mm -hmm. that he's been challenging them about. I know the questions that they're asking. So it's, it's not, um, it's not all outward yet. Like one okay. thing I said recently was a lot of people are starting from different starting places. And so for somebody, it's like they're embracing apostolic, um, you know, fivefold leadership for the first time. And wow. that's a new wineskin thing that God mm -hmm. is pouring out. That revelation is phenomenal. Right. And so there could be somebody, they don't get house church. They don't get, they don't get anything else except right now. They're like, wow, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, they're real. 
And it's like, praise God for this new <laughs> in revelation. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've got people in doing all these microchurch networks that have no idea of apostolic leadership. They have no idea of even like corporate assembly. Like they still don't get like, why should we all still be gathering in bigger groups? You know, from time to time, I think it's still really important. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're if you've only got your five to 10 people, you got your church doesn't multiply ever. You never gather in a corporate setting. You have no leadership outside your group. You're still not new wineskin. Like you're still not mm. healthy. Right. So I think we can still look, we can look at like one thing and make it like our thing that makes an indicator. And it's just not, it's not God's thing. His thing right now is humility. Yeah. I think that's really well. And the other thing that I'm noticing too right now, and I know that's just talking to a lot of different people, there is a, a real uh, concerted effort from heaven to refine the bride. So I'm seeing a lot of people who are, longtime believers that God is like, it, we just, it really does feel like there's something on the horizon that God is preparing and that God needs the people who are going to respond to his spirit. He needs them in a specific place. And a lot of that is coming down to like stripping them down to this place of just total humility and yielding to the spirit. So, yeah. um, you know, just talking, I guess, adding to you saying that there's different people in different processes or stages of this whole thing. Um, I do feel like there are a lot of people, uh, myself included, honestly, um, you know, I've shared that on the show a couple of times of just like, God's really been taking me to this place. I feel very raw. I feel very like, but I'm also very, uh, more, a lot more receptive to certain things that I was maybe a little bit more closed off to. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of I'm generalizing, but yeah. Yeah. I've seen that a lot. Like I've seen, like, I've, I haven't stopped saying the same stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But now people want to hear it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whereas, like, you know, it's new wine skin stuff. Three years ago, again, like, yeah. you know, you know, when something gets like three likes, you're like, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't well received, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, it's like 500 people. You know, it's there's just a uh -huh. different openness that sure. people are having because I think a lot of people perceive the shift, but they just don't know how to verbalize it or what to do with what they're feeling and sensing. Mm. You know, and I think that I'm seeing a lot of people humble themselves and be willing, which I've had to do like over and over, you know, I've had like various humblings over the course of my, don't you just life. love it, Rayma? All the time. So, I feel like, so I'm like I have a tattoo that says get lower because God told me to write this on my arm. Like oh, yeah. uh, a couple of years ago when I, yeah. I was going through this crazy season, you know, when it kind of began, we've talked about that before, how we both mm -hmm. had like this eight year season of just yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, and the ultra the, wilderness. Yeah. The ultra wilderness. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Is there even any water? Am uh -huh. I going to die out here? Yeah. And God's like, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? so, <laughs> that's the idea. That's what we're going for. I'm yeah. like, no. um, but at the very beginning of this journey, God said to me, I want you to write, get lower mm. on your arm. Cause every time you look at your arm, I want you to remember. Man. that there's still a lower place yeah, and how right. much I did not realize how, like, I didn't realize how true it was <laughs> where it's like, you're like, Oh, I'm so humble. I'm just like doing so good. Blah, blah, blah. And God's yeah. like, you're still full of pride. And you're like, what? Like, yeah. you know, and it's like deeper repentance, deeper. And, and it's Man, constant. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm not there yet still. Yeah. Sure. I got a prophetic word um, from someone that said the door is in the floor and it was the same idea yeah. basically. And I was just like, man, <laughs> okay, here we go. God. You're like, uh, yeah. Can I get off the floor for a minute? It's like, nope. Yeah. No. And honestly, 
one of the things kind of on this topic with God kind of bringing humility and kind of just reaching out, I think, um, in a really loving way to so many leaders right now, just being like, will you come with me into this new territory? I know you don't understand it. I know it is hard for you to think of like all the things like, oh, my salary, oh, my team, oh, my, my, my church, my building, my this, my programs, my ministries, my, my team, my, you know, the money. It's like, it's so, um, the system itself becomes so crippling to following Jesus because he sometimes leads us to places and to do things we don't understand. Absolutely. And so I see God really putting so much grace on people as they actually lean in to ask those questions of him, that they actually lean into him instead of the fear. Because I think the fear can be so crippling when like so many people have been threatened by this message because of what it technically means, what it means for finances, what it means for lives, what it means, you know what I mean? And so we can, we can, we can wrongly think, well, if this is true, how will it affect me versus is this true period? And then let God work with us with the rest of it. Mm. And I I've seen, um, there's two different really, uh, profound things that I believe God is really releasing leaders from in this season. One is the spirit of Saul. And we know that we're coming into a new time where, you know, like, yes, I'll release the keys of the house of David and like, you know, and, and this tabernacle understanding of the throne room, right. That God is wanting to bring us into this understanding that his presence and the person of Jesus is at the center of everything for the Mm. church. Right. And that's the revelation of the, of the tabernacle, not the full revelation, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's within the revelation of the tabernacle that everything about the people of God is circulated around the presence and the person of Jesus. But Saul, as we know, is the total antithesis of David as a king. And when a leader is operating under that spirit, there's, there's actually like a disillusionment to like the presence of God. You can read about it in, um, in John or sorry, not in John in first Samuel, I have it on John for something else in first Samuel 15, where, where Saul or where Samuel comes to visit Saul and it's where God rejects him as King. Mm. Because remember they, um, they go into, let's see, where did they go? They were, they were, I'm not going to search it all out, but, um, oh, the Amalekites. Yeah. So they were, they were in a battle with the Amalekites and Saul basically disobeyed God, except he doesn't even realize it at this point. He's so beyond his own like self-awareness and humility that he doesn't really care even what God's saying in verse 12, it says early in the morning, Samuel got up to meet with Saul, but he was told Saul went up to Carmel. So there Saul had set up a monument in his own honor. (laughs) He set up a monument in his own honor. And then Samuel reached out and Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. So he did not, right? He did not carry out the Lord's instructions because then Samuel says, well, what's the bleeding of sheep? Because I told you to destroy all the sheep. And he's like, oh, well, you know, we kept some to sacrifice to the Lord, our God. He's like, I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't ask you to do it that way. And Saul's like, well, you know, we're doing all this for God. And Samuel's like, no, 
No, bro. I ask you to do this. You're disobedient. And not yeah. only are you disobedient, like in verse 19, he says, why did you not obey the Lord? Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. And then in verse 20, Saul says, but I did obey the Lord. But yeah. I did obey the Lord. He says, I completely destroyed the Amalekites. No, you didn't. So he's, he's, he's in self-deception, mm-hmm. which is really what that spirit is. It's like you actually genuinely believe that you are doing everything for God, but God is saying, I am not asking you to do this stuff. And even when I tell you to stop it, you reply to me, you're doing it for me. Man, man. See, here's the thing. We can look at Saul and we can go, stupid Saul, being an idiot as per usual. Uh, but if you can't see like, we all have the ability to do this and yeah. I've done stuff like this with the Lord in the past. Uh, and so it's a very, like, just, I see it and I'm like, it's ridiculous, but I've done stuff like that. I think a lot of people have where we're like, I'm doing this for you. Um, when we're not. So yeah, we're doing it for us. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's, he's, he literally at the beginning of the story sets up a monument for his own honor. It's like, Oh my goodness. And this is the same, yeah. um, the same chapter where it says in verse 22, where Samuel says to him, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obedience, right? So this is when, that's why, and he says, no, I saved the sheep so I could sacrifice them to God. And Samuel's like, God didn't ask you for that sacrifice. He asked you to completely annihilate them. And does he like sacrifice more than obedience? Hmm. In other words, he wanted you to do what he said, not to do what you think he wanted you to do. Hmm. And then hmm. in 23, that's where it says for rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance, the evil of idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you as king. And so this is that, this, I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same thing that God is saying to leaders who continue to build their own kingdoms, their own empires, and who are refusing, refusing the lordship, refusing mm-hmm. to humble themselves. That deception is so real. Oh, absolutely. It's so real. Yeah. So do you feel like in this, if we're not careful in this whole new wineskin era that we're in, um, do you feel like we really need to protect ourselves against making assumptions about other people? Like if they're, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but how it's like, well, we're doing a home church and you over there, you're still gathering in person and Clearly you're not new wineskin and, and, and trying to label this in a way, cause we do have a tendency to do that as humans yes. to kind of put something into a category because yeah. we're trying to make sense of it. We do it with God too. And we put them in a box, but I, I, I really, as I'm listening to you talk, I do feel like there's this, we need to guard our hearts against doing things like that Absolutely. and making assumptions. Absolutely. I think it's such a human thing um, sure. to do that. And the devil loves it. He's like, oh, yay, a new category. Yeah. (laughs) A new category for you guys to bicker amongst yourselves. Mm -hmm. When really the message is not like, do a house church right now or you're wrong. (laughs) The message is, is your heart fully submitted to Jesus? Are you in union with Jesus? Because if you are, he's going to be able to lead you the way he wants you to go. And you're not going to be afraid of it. Mm. Then there's, on the other hand, there's revelation that's coming about the new wineskin, right? So it's like, it's, it's hard for some people to balance that. It's hard for some people to balance the tendency that we have as people to judge and isolate and divide and put in boxes 
with the tendon, like to, with the seeing and the knowing, because there are people who are seeing and they're knowing like God is taking us in a new way. Mm-hmm. You know, here's some of the characteristics of what is being seen of what is being known, you know, by many, this is not like a few people. Now, this is many people who are seeing and saying along similar lines of where God is taking the church, but it's still like, it takes maturity and it takes humility on our own part to still not take people and say, well, are you for this or against it? Mm. (laughs) It's like, are you for Jesus or against Jesus? That's like the first question Yeah, because he's taking the whole church somewhere. And do you want to come with the whole church to the place Jesus is taking us, which we think looks like this, 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 what does that look like for you and your church or your ministry or whatever? I have no idea. I have no idea what that transition might look like. I have no idea like how God will lead that process for you. I have no idea. So it's so hard, you know, for people to, to live in that tension. Find yeah. a lot of things are about tensions. That's where growth happens. For sure. Yeah. But it's I think scary. honestly, that is like one of the best answers you could give is I have no idea what that looks like for, for, because what, again, we get into this mode of like, no, tell me the, tell me the formula, tell me the plan. And you're like, I don't know, you know? And I, 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 it's very different from a lot of stuff, you know, uh, people often go, okay, this is step one, do this step two, do this. But then it's like, that's how you get back into religion. That's how you get back into this, like, you you begin to other everyone else you know where you're like no we're doing it the right way and if it doesn't if yours doesn't look exactly like this then you're obviously old hat yeah yeah and i and i i I think that that's dangerous um to label this is too soon it's too soon Mm -hmm. um in in this this transition it's too soon um to put people in definitive camps Mm. or whatever it's like, I think we will soon see like, who are the people who have genuine you know, humility and hearts for Jesus and are submitted to him versus the people who aren't. I mean, it, it's just, it, it, it's becoming clearer and clearer. And I think we just let God lead us in the process, you know, of forming what our expression is meant to look like within that new wineskin revelation. You know, I think it does look like local assemblies gathering in houses. But what if someone was like, well, I think, you know, we're going to do some local assemblies that gather in businesses because like that's my apostolic sphere. OK, so that would look different. Mm-hmm. You know, what if somebody's like, well, you know, I'm doing it in this place and nobody has houses there. So we do it in trees. I don't know. We, we meet yeah. under trees. We, yeah. we, meet schools. <laughs> we uh, I don't I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I think the concept of local assembly, the concept of spiritual families growing in spiritual formation together, meeting each other's needs, caring mm-hmm. for each other, like these basic understandings of what the house church is um you know the meeting of house to house the what happens in those contexts the meals the fellowship all these things god is restoring that unequivocally he's restoring that so what will that be expressed like in your context that's for the holy spirit to lead but he's restoring that that's a that's a, a category of the new wineskin is the restoration of the koinonia the fellowship the meeting home to home, the being known and being vulnerable and growing in community. Right. So, you know, the only way I see that in scripture is being led by elders, not apostolic leaders, not all, not, not in big groups of hundreds, but in smaller groups where Mm. people can be known and where they, they can have their needs met. 
Well, and that's a big, that's been a big, and that honestly has been a big issue. So to me, it even just makes sense because there is a lack of, you know, how many times have you heard, I go into a church and I just don't, people know each other and the clicks and they're, you know, it's so big that like you kind of get lost in the crowd and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I, I think that that expression of koinonia is returning, you know, and has been returning. You see fruit of that now. Yeah. Um, and then the expression of fivefold ministry, you know, apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral teaching, like all of this is being restored to the body. And I think it's fully being restored. Amen. So one yeah. of the one of the things um, that I think is is interesting or one of the things that I like to talk about is kind of how we've had this triangular understanding for a long time of church leadership. Okay. Right. In any church, there's the kind of a pastor up at the top. Then there's these different descending levels of authority. You know, you got like the associate pastors and you got like youth pastors under that. And you have like other pastors elders and, pastor. and such as, and everybody's a pastor mm-hmm. or everybody's about, there's a pastor of, community groups. There's a pastor of mm. child children. There's a pastor of family life. There's a, there's a pastor for everything. Right. <laughs> and so there, you got all these hierarchical structures yeah. where somebody's the boss, right? So it's a very CEO, you know, it's a triangular org chart where, and we God released this revelation of rest, a restoration. I would say, I wouldn't say it's a revelation, but God released the restoration of the fivefold ministry, I'd say over the last like 20 to 30 years, this has begun to become forefront. Now this revelation was released, this restoration was released where we're still in a Western church context. So we've taken it, we tried to like make it fit. (laughs) It doesn't fit. Cause all we did then is we kept, somebody said this in one of my classes the other day, I was like, that was brilliant. Um, We took, um, like we didn't change our um, ecclesiology. We just changed our, um, theology. Hmm. So we didn't change our ecclesiology, which is what actually changed when Rome reformed the church. So they changed yeah. our ecclesiology. They, they, they changed the way we gather, how we gather, what we do when we gather, who's in charge of that. Like all of that was totally reformed in the early 300s. Hmm. So when that ecclesiology was transformed, we've carried that. that that's how we gather now. You know, we, we took that and that's still how we, how we function. And so when this restoration of the fivefold began to become forefront, especially, you know, in some, in, cause pastor never really went anywhere. Um, the she- or the shepherds never went anywhere. Evangelists have still always been here, but we've kind of been like, oh, they're just out there like preaching the gospel, I guess, and doing crusades. And, you know, and then we've, we've kind of kept the, um, the teacher for sure. You know, so we've got these that have still been functioning within this like hierarchical mentality, but um, apostles and prophets were really the thing that like came back that had been, you know, disassociated for a long Mm. time. So when the apostles and prophets came back, we're like, oh, cool, cool, cool. So just put them at the top. They go at the top of this whole thing then, right? Because they lead the church and they just go at the top. And I believe one of the things that God is doing now to help us understand the new, the new wineskin, the new, the new thing is he's taking us out of this hierarchical understanding and bringing us into circular leadership structures, okay. team leadership structures. Um, I've talked about a couple of times, like the, the cluster anointing, right. Um, 
I, I won't talk about it too much right now because it'll take me off track, but <laughs> the cluster anointing is basically, um, it's talked about in Isaiah. I can give you the exact scripture. I think it's okay. like Isaiah 40 something. I won't find it, but people can there find we go. it. Isaiah 40 something. I'm sure you talk about it too on your Instagram. I talk about it. Yeah. I talk about it somewhere. I think I, yeah, I actually did a post on it. I think the cluster anointing, so okay. you can find it. Um, but God's bringing us into this understanding that no one person alone is going to do it. It's actually in the crushing together that the new wine comes. Hmm. And the new wine is, is yeah, it's the combination of gifts, of talent, of um, authority, of metrons and spheres. I can talk about that a little bit. And, and, mm -hmm. and as we function in the authority and the metron or the authority, which is the metron, and the jurisdiction, which is the spheres, you know, that God has given to us, we overlap with other leaders, you know, because the local assembly, I believe, is led by elders. It's not led by apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. Yeah, you talked about that last time, too. Um, so my question is, this, because honestly, this is just evidence that like, I'm, I'm still obviously trying to understand this and get out of it. Where so in a spherical structure, because we do have people that are gifted leaders, people that have gifted, how, how do you see that fitting into that? Because there are going to be people who naturally take to leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, you are one of them. I'm one of them. <laughs> I am one of them. Um, you know, and uh, how do you see that fitting? I'm, I would imagine that's been kind of a, okay, I did a little bit too much there. Or like, I, I'm just curious um, yeah. what you've kind of experienced with that. Well, I mean, if we look back at a biblical pattern, we can understand this framework. But also practically, I operate in this framework. Okay. So it it means radical honor and radical humility. Okay. You, like if anybody still wants to be king, you will not be able to function mm. in this kind of environment. You can still fulfill your assignment without being the king. Yeah. This whole okay. concept of like, I have to be on top and tell everybody else what to do where I'm not the leader. Mm. This is not a biblical thing. That's good. That's really good. So to lead in the kingdom, we have to be obedient to Jesus and accomplish the mission that he gives to us. And so people will align with that. People will, um, will come under, so to speak, what you're doing because they see the grace on that and they want to serve that. And in that you align with others who have the same, you know, sphere of influence. And I mean, I feel like I'm in so many different circles of influence now because it's like, hey, like these people, you know, we're all called to like Australia. So then we're aligned. We're co-laboring in that space. We're co-laboring in that nation, you know, but then there's someone else who I'm aligned with who couldn't care less about Australia. They're all about, you know, Africa, mm -hmm. you know, but also our sphere is shared in the United States, you know, and so we're co-laboring in the United States. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Like, I'm going to send my people to your thing because you're actually already doing that. Why would I recreate it? Like I called one of my other, one of my friends the other day, because he created this whole like, um, formation, uh, program. And I had it in my notes, like create a formation program. I've been trying to do it for like two years. I was like, I don't have time to do this. And I, I looked at his, I was like, oh, this is phenomenal. Can I just like, can I like make this accessible to all of our house churches? He's like, yeah, totally. And I was like, Sweet. perfect. So, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't have to be like, oh, well, I wrote this. And it's like, yeah, like, my name has great. to be on the box. Yeah. Yeah. Also add my name to it. And it's like, no, yeah. he wrote it. It's awesome. Use it because yeah. it will serve you. And I think mm -hmm. that that mentality like is really hard for people who still need to be important. Right. Which in the desert is where God kills your need to be important. Yeah, for real. Absolutely. 
Like, are you really serving the body or are you just serving yourself? Because if you want to serve the body and that's really what your goal and your heart is, then you don't care. Like you just don't care anymore. Like there, there'll be stuff with your name on it. Sure. Whatever. But there'll also be like stuff that other people do that. You're like, you're really good at that. You should do that. I should get behind you doing that. Yeah, and I should just so do good. what I'm good at. I don't have yeah. to do what you're good at like myself. So that is my thing. Also, I find so many people do that. It's like, they see someone else doing something great. And instead of being like, Hey, how can I like get behind that? It's like, Oh, well, I'm just going to copy that and do it myself. Like why? Yeah. And we see, honestly, we see that just to strip it down to a very simple turn, like simple. We see that in the film industry. I'm a big, you know, film guy. And we see like where people will imit constantly imitate each other rather than doing something new and unique to their, their expression. They'll right. just copy people. We see it in music. We see it all over society as well. So this is obviously it's not just a problem within the church itself. To me, I look at this and say, that's a flesh problem. Yeah. Obviously, you know, so because we see it's the a church flesh too. problem for yeah. sure. And I think one of the things God's trying to help us understand in this new wineskin leadership model is interdependence. Okay. That you actually can never do it all. Right. Like it's a okay, dependence yeah. on Jesus, but also a dependence on other people. Hmm. Like I have other leaders I run with where I just know there's so much stronger than me in X, Y, Z. And it's like, we all like, we're constantly just everything we do is just mixing. Now it's just wow. overlapping. Yeah, that's and it's like, well, whose is it? We, our churches don't have names. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Like our churches don't even have names anymore. Why? Because we're all planting them. We're all, yeah. we're all, it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, well, does the Instagram have like, you know, revive dot. So that's how we used to do it. <laughs> revive dot this, revive dot that. Like put your city name, like the guidelines for how you plant a revive home. It's like, mm -hmm. Now it's like you're planting a church, you know, you're the God. ecclesia. There you go. Um, You know, and it's like, what are you going to call it? The church that meets in our home. Who, ca who cares? Mm -hmm. There's no like, title that it needs you know it's just wow. this kind of stuff that That's people get so hung up on. refreshing man yeah and it, it, it's it's really important and i mean when we look at scripture this is what's in the bible yeah like first corinthians three and four yeah straight book of acts you know yeah yeah i can cool. i'll give you an example and i've heard this preached a different totally different way but now that i read like god took me through the epistles a couple years ago um, and kept telling me, read that again, read that again, read that. You don't understand that. Read it again, because we always view through the lenses that we've learned. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like in principles of theology, like mm -hmm. hermeneutics is the lens of interpretation. So it's like, you are always going to understand things through the lenses that you naturally have. And there's always going to be a level of that to a degree, but we have to ask God to remove the lenses of the old structures that weren't from him so that we can actually even see the bible clearly hmm. like in first corinthians um chapters three and four is when paul is speaking to the church of corinth about you know their their battles over who's their apostle literally we see this all the time on uh -huh. facebook you know like well this guy's my apostle well this person's my apostle it's like why do you have one apostle yeah like paul is literally saying in um in three Verse five, he says, or sorry, in verse four, he says, for one says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? In other words, why are you being so base? Like, why mm -hmm. aren't you being spirit-led people? Is what he's asking them. 
He says, after all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. For we are co-workers, verse nine, in God's service, you are God's field, God's building. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. And then in verse 21, he says, so then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos, or Peter. Take your pick. What do you need yeah. from us? Yeah. So good. Right? Yeah. What do you need from us? Because whatever we have, we will give to you. That's the calling to, to be an apostle. It's to pour your life out for the church. So if there's people in the sphere of authority that God's given to you that need something that you carry, give it to them. Hmm. Because yeah. in the fivefold, it's not the same as the spiritual gifts. It's not the same as um, you know, I did it. I did a teaching recently. Oh my gosh. I'm opening so many cans right now. I feel like people are gonna be <laughs> like, what is she talking about? You did like seven different topics and you didn't even go that deep. Just giving you some ideas. Yeah. Some we're just, you know, what is that? A nice and sprinkling it, of everything. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a petite four. Dessert. Yeah. There we go. Taste, um, yeah. a little bit of, nice of little these taster. Ideas. Yeah. Um, but I, I did a teaching um, yesterday, actually, we have something called our apostolic or our fivefold circles. And yesterday was our collective circle. So we have, you know, like apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists from all over the world. And they just come in to this like collective Zoom. Um, and once every six weeks, I think we do this one. But everyone was there last night and we were talking about um, just some going a little deeper into fivefold ministry function and why it's important right now for the fivefold to actually be expressed in fullness and in distinction. Because a lot, going down a different road, but maybe it's God, a lot of the um, confusion that I would say is, is entering this fivefold revelation is like, well, it's just grace and we can all just function and flow because God gives grace to all of us. So we can, you know, we're all just all of them. Mm. This is... I, I would really um, believe that this is not correct. <laughs> um, I, one of the things that I think we're confusing with fivefold ministry is the ministry itself, the person themselves, they themselves, the person is the gift to the body of Christ. They're called to impart who they are. And they're not a gift in like a pride way, like I'm your gift, mm -hmm. but they're a gift because they are an expression of the ministry of Jesus in five parts. And they must work in unity in order to equip the body in, in their metron of authority, right? Which is what Ephesians talk in the Greek Ephesians four talks about the metron, the fullness of Christ. So the, the fullness of authority that individuals, as they express their fullness of authority, that they meet that metron of Christ, that together as the body, we come into the fullness of our authority as we all participate in that, right? So the fivefold mm -hmm is what actually equips the people through the impartation of their life into unity, right? So bringing the body in as one and maturity, giving them the grace that they have. And so every person think of it as like they have five cups that need to be filled. They've got an apostolic cup. They've got a prophetic cup. They've got an evangelistic cup. They've got a pastoral cup. They've got a 
whatever the other one is called, teaching cup. Teacher, yeah. All right, so the five-fold impartation into the body releases the equipping that needs to go in that cup so everybody can fulfill their assignment in life. Wow, so good. Now, is. this is five-fold grace. This is the grace of God on us to mature us. This is not spiritual gifts, but our spiritual gifts will contribute to what grace we naturally function in the most, mm. right? So let's just mm -hmm. say somebody is a, um, a business person. They, you know, just work, they work a nine to five job and they are in a environment church-wise that's really prophetic. They've always been in a very prophetic culture. Well, their prophetic grace has constantly been flowing, mm -hmm. right? So they're strong in their prophetic grace. Sure. Does it mean they're a prophet? No, it doesn't. But then maybe that person is actually called to be a pastor, but they don't have any real pastoral grace because they really haven't been under the ministry of a true pastor. Mm. And so sometimes when we're called into fivefold function, I'm sorry, I'm like really like. No, this is really good. Like, don't you just keep going? Um, sometimes people who are called into fivefold function are confused because they're really strong in a specific grace because they've been empowered by that, plus their personality, plus their spiritual gifts. So you got personality, you got spiritual gifts, which are non-exhaustive, right? Corinthians mm -hmm. and Romans. Yep. Then you've got a grace that all of us need to receive from maturity from the fivefold gifts that are the delegated leadership of Jesus. We're receiving that grace in order to mature us into just being a mature believer, able to accomplish mission. Then you've got specific people chosen to impart that strength and maturity to the church in a form of leadership. So there's these different categories. Like when we when we try to understand fivefold ministry, we're not we're people are getting stuck in the grace part, and that's where they're like, hey, yeah, you can function and flow in all of these. Well, yeah, you're supposed to. That's called being a mature believer, but that still doesn't mean that um, you're not you know that you're called to be an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, evangelist, a teacher, or that if you are called to be a prophet, that like, well, I can be an apostle right now, or if you're called to be an apostle, you can be like, I can be a pastor right now. I understand that specifically apostles kind of tend to have a pretty long um, preparation season where they flow in and out of a lot of those gifts mm -hmm. just because God, it's, but it's grace. It's not, it's not that you were an evangelist, then you became a this, then you became a this, then you became an apostle eventually. Mm. That's hierarchical. That's like the latter kind of thinking. It was in your process, God was equipping you, first of all, because you've got, you have to have eyes on the whole on blueprinting. So you need to understand those gifts, mm -hmm. but also just to be a mature believer, we have to yeah. have those five graces in our life. Mm -hmm. And so I think we confuse fivefold gifts with just people being strong in graces and being strong in, in you know, gifting. Yeah. That's so good. Cause then, then it's like, you can, you can, if you're under that, that grace, you're saying that there could be a miss, you could misinterpret what's happening. Then you were like, Oh, I must be an evangelist or I must be a prophet. Like you were talking about like a business person who spends a lot of time under a prophetic, you know, in a prophetic community. And then, you know, you can make an assumption. Oh, I'm a prophet, you know, um, yeah. but you're just into that grace. Yeah. You're just really and, receiving strongly from that grace. And so that mm -hmm. flow is an operation. So, I mean, you have the gift of prophecy because you've been in that environment, you've mm -hmm. been, you know, operating in that. Plus you're just receiving that function, you know, that, that gift has been pouring into your life, the person, the prophet because you're in a culture like that. Whereas some people, they've only been in a pastoral culture, you know, so they struggle with um, the grace of the apostolic, the grace of the prophetic, but every single, this is why we all have to have all five graces. Mm. This is what, it, it's what makes us mature in God. 
But mm. then why it's important for the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the teachers, and the, um, and the, who am I forgetting? I keep forgetting. Apostles, okay. Prophets. Apostle, prophet, pastors, evangelists. I got it. I got it. Pastor, yeah, yeah, we get yeah. it. Why it's important for all of us to understand who we are, like unequivocally, like this is who I am. This is my identity. <laughs> Not my identity, like Jesus is my identity, but you understand this is my function. Sure. I got you. Because especially with the fivefold gifts, like it is you, like you are the gift. That's why the refining is so crazy because you have to impart. It's not like a gift of the spirit where you're just giving something, something from God through you. The fivefold ministry imparts themselves. And so that's why the refining process is so hectic. That's why yeah, God cleanses like crazy, crazy, well, crazy. And that's it because it's not about. Okay, I'm gonna have my face on the billboards. I'm gonna have my this and that, and and um, you know, have the seat of honor at this place and that place. Like, man, it's it is, it's gnarly. Like the process of refinement, whatever of those fivefold you are, is gnarly. Like it's mm -hmm. not if if you're if you're expecting the red rug to get rolled out for you, the red carpet to get rolled out for you, and and uh, you know a cloak put on you and a crown and a scepter, like wrong, wrong approach. Right. Totally. I mean, that's, um, absolutely wrong. I did yeah. a little, I did a little narrative, um, that I did. I did a narrative that I did. Yep. Um, I wrote this little story recently that kind of helped people understand the fivefold and how it relates to the body. It's really good. And <laughs> if you guys want to see it, she's going to talk about it, but if you want to also see it for yourself, it's an Instagram post. We put a link in the description under the stuff we talked about section. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of took it from, you know, Moses hitting the rock and water coming out. That's mm -hmm. kind of where this idea came from. But it was kind of like, imagine that there's a large group of people that are in the desert and they need water. So that's the church. That's the body of Christ, the people who need to be equipped for ministry. Right. And God's blueprint is to hit a rock that will pour out water. So then everybody will, their thirst will be quenched. It's going to solve the problem of everyone's thirst, right? So everyone's sitting there. They're so thirsty. They're hot. The fivefold is standing there. God tells the apostles and the prophets about his plan, first of all, because apostles and prophets are the foundation. They're not more important. And this is another thing that the church, again, it's getting into like, well, you know, this and this and who's higher, who's lower. Apostles and prophets are not coming in to tell the pastors and teachers and evangelists, you guys are like not even a part of this. Like it's our turn to lead. We are literally, we are all absolutely equal in, I'm just putting this out as an aside in my story, but we're absolutely equal in um, relevance, in necessity within the body, because all of us have a part to play that if we don't, something will be missing from the ecclesia. Mm. Because the apostles and the prophets, they come to lay a foundation. They establish a blueprint from God. The apostle builds it. The prophet sees it and keep and, and the prophet is concerned with the plan of God. They're concerned with God's will being executed, but which the apostles just concerned with it being built. Whereas mm. the prophets like you better build it God's way, mm. <laughs> move your wall. Like that's a little bit off, fix your material right here. Right. The prophet is coming almost like a consultant mm -hmm. to the apostle to make sure that the building is done according to the blueprint that God showed on the mountain. Right. But the apostle and the prophet see the blueprint. God gives it to them. He tells them about the plan. So the prophet describes the exact rock and the place it will be. The apostle finds that rock 
according to how the prophet told them they would find it. They know exactly where it should be located, right? Or sorry, they choose the right tool. So the, the prophet describes the rock and the place it's located. The apostle finds the rock, chooses the right tool, and knows how to strike the rock in the right place. God makes water come from the rock. The pastor begins to pass water around in cups by passing it to elders to ensure that everyone has water. So the pastor themselves doesn't walk around to give 5,000 people water. The pastor, the shepherd, gives it to the, the, the shepherds, the other shepherds, right? In scripture, there's different types of shepherding. Mm -hmm. He gives it to the other shepherds, which would be elders, so that they can actually do the work. They can take the water to the couple people around them. All right. Then the teacher stands up to tell everybody where, um, why they need this water, why they're thirsty in the first place, and how this water alone will quench their thirst forever. The evangelist is looking around to see who isn't drinking the water so they can compel them to acknowledge their thirst <laughs> and remind them the outcome of a life without water. You know, so this is like a, a narrative of kind of how these gifts flow together. Yeah. So because good. the apostles and the prophets, it's almost like they they break things open. And this is also why I think the apostolic and prophetic goes through a much different uh, pruning season than the other gifts, in my opinion. It's a much different season of refinement because you what you have to encounter spiritual warfare wise, like what you have to engage with to break open territories. Um, you know, when we talk about um, spheres of influence, that can be um, physical spheres like a region, a state, a nation, a city. It can be intangible spheres like the media, um, like business, like education, like, you know, like there's these different spheres of influence that God has called apostolic authority to take back right from the kingdom of darkness. Mm -hmm. And so he gives apostles those blueprints, right, and prophets as well, so that they can basically dispel darkness in that space and set a foundation for the ecclesia to be established. Hmm. But then the ecclesia comes in, right? And that's where the pastoral really takes, you know, shines because it's their role to then mature and love the sheep, teach them how to do life together, teach them how to grow and fellowship, how to love each other, how to, you know what I mean? How to mature. And so that's where the ecclesia is established. You know, the teacher establishes them in, in right thinking and right belief. And the evangelist is teaching them how to grow and expand the church. You know, and so you've got this, these different roles and people, but if they're not all working together, what's a foundation without a building? Right. Yeah. What's a building without a foundation? Mm -hmm. And this is what we see a lot in the body of Christ. When people don't work together, they don't have a full expression of kingdom. So I think one of the things God is doing is bringing us into that just more full understanding of kingdom so that we really can walk together. Yeah. Man, I, I think that illustration is so good. I, I think it's just that it perfectly illustrates in very simple terms uh, the function of each one. Uh, but in this on this topic of unity, um, there's another point in here that I wanted to really hit on because I thought it was really an interesting and important as well. It sure. says we can still honor people without approving what they build. Mm. Um, so I talk about yeah. that. Yeah. I, I talk a little bit, um, or I talk a lot about false honor Okay. and I think in, in our American church and just Western church in general, um, and many of us would know this from just the way we've grown up. Um, it's, 
we've we've associated structures with the people who build them. So the church you went to, if you didn't if you didn't like the church, if you um, you know if you didn't like something about it, if you're like, why do we do it this way? The leader's personally offended. The leader cannot handle you know that you would possibly you know have something to say about the thing built versus the person. We we can. I guess the whole point is we we have to have a distinction between honor and love for people and honor and love for the thing that's built. They're two different things. Our identity has to be in Christ, not in a way of doing things. And oftentimes we intertwine them to where some leaders they like they will personally be dishonored if you don't love their thing. Hmm. And it's like I'm not dishonoring you, I just don't like your thing. I'm not dishonoring you as a person, but I don't think what you built is, is, is good. I don't think it's the best thing that you could build, you know, and it's, I'm not dishonoring a person by challenging their structure. And so this, this is actually kind of the call to reformation. This is what reformation looks like. It's the challenge of the structures. It's the uprooting of the man-made things and it rattles with people and it causes us to, well, it forces us to actually understand how much our identity is in the stuff we build. Dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So identity becomes an essential message. And we see that God brought the revelation of sonship before he brought yeah. this apostolic, like before he started really pushing the new wineskin. Why? Like, why was the revelation of sonship and identity like just before the revelation of this? That's why. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because he's disentangling us from all the stuff that we've intertwined with ourselves, believing that it's a part of us. So you can honor a leader, you can honor a believer, you can honor a person and say, you know, I'm, I don't love that, but I love you. You know, yeah. I think that could be different, but I honor you in the Lord. Like you're my brother, my sister in Christ. You're, you know, I acknowledge the grace on your life. I acknowledge this, but that doesn't automatically mean that I have to acknowledge and love and respect and glorify this, this thing that you've mm -hmm. built. Yeah. And if you're the recipient of that person saying that to you and your response, the tell is how you respond to it. E even if it's internal, totally. that's the tell that something needs to change within yourself, that more of more of your flesh needs to be burned away. Yeah. Uh, that's the tell is 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 how you respond to it and man it that is so much easier said than done oh yeah <laughs> like honestly like we probably have to die all the time yeah you know like you have to die all the time it's like when god starts to make you lay down your crown some of us don't even realize we were even wearing one it's true yeah you know and and laying it down is painful it's really hard mm. but there's so much there's so much glory and, um, or glory is maybe not the right word. There's so much um, peace and joy in not being attached to the thing you built mm -hmm. because it can change. It can shift. If the church really belongs to Jesus, we have to let him do what he wants with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and on top of that too, uh, I talked about this on yesterday's show as well. Um, it, it's it's a false idea to go if I do this thing and it's of the Lord, a hundred percent of the people are going to be gung ho for it, right? It's mm -hmm. like it, they're not. 
and you were talking about you know making posts and you got three likes and you're like that one uh that one didn't hit yet just yet people aren't ready for that <laughs> yeah exactly and sometimes that is if you're called to be a pioneer to be a forerunner in something and god is calling you to that place don't expect people to just be like oh fabulous yeah. because honestly what that does too sometimes it do, it will happen okay i'm not saying like if you get that reaction from somebody that could be the medicine that people need for that moment and they're like oh or like the water whatever like what you're hearing help us continue to make elijah fire and the elijah fire podcast possible to get behind this ministry visit elijahfire.com slash give now back to the show uh, but um if you get that every single time you do something it's going to be very hard to not have your ego right. be inflated. It's going to be really yeah. hard for you to not constantly be relying upon that reaction in order to feel like you are fulfilling your purpose. Totally. One of the things that God has had to deliver me from, and probably every leader is the fear of man and the approval of man, the need for either or the, the reaction to either, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, I remember, um, you know, one time God said, when people tell you you're awesome, don't believe them, <laughs> you know, and not because you're not awesome. Like God thinks we're all awesome. I get it. Like, sure. yeah, we're his children, For blah, sure. blah. But don't believe people when they tell you you're awesome because every, like every leader, I feel like goes through this season of just like fierce, or at least every apostle I can speak for my, my area, but we go through this season of like fierce rejection and misunderstanding and all kinds of things. And, you know, yeah, eventually it's like, now I, you know, have a lot more people like, well, you're awesome. I love what you're saying. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks. But honestly, for like, like a lot of years, it wasn't like that, you know, yeah, for like yeah, for seven sure. and a half years, it was not like that. Most of the time it was like, okay, half of my friends unfollow me. Half of, you know what I mean? It's that That's what it was. It was just really like, why are you doing this? And like, at the end of the day, I had, I've had to, I've had to realize now that so much of what I was preparing, so much of what the revelation that I was going into, the stuff God was teaching me, it wasn't for then it was for now. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like figure all, like figure out the stuff I'm speaking and preaching now. It's like, I've been figuring it out for like eight years when everybody thought it was like weird. You know, that was like where I was at. I remember one time I, I, I preached to a group of like 30 people, probably for seven years. I only preached to 30 people or less, which was That's super good. great for my, my pride. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> one time I, one time I, uh, or for my lack of pride, right. Cause I was helping me get rid of it, but of course, yeah. um, I had a, I had a message one time and God told me this is a message for the body of Christ. And I was like, there's 25 people here. <laughs> And I preached it like it was a message for the body of Christ. You know, I don't even think it's recorded, but you know, it was that understanding of being like, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and having to stay like, stay committed to Jesus through those times where you're like, well, if it's a message for the body of Christ, they're not in this room. So apparently there'll be more people in the room one day. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just going to keep preaching to who is here. But even if they're, even if there never was being obedient right. that's it you know yeah and you know it's like sometimes you can be in a situation where god's like go go pray for that person 
or you can get like a word of knowledge about what ails them. And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, my shoulder is hurting. My right shoulder is hurting. And you pray for them and you don't see anything happen. And then not looking at that as, as a failure of being, you know, it's just like the, the point is being obedient. I think that's what I'm getting at is, is being obedient to what God is saying and doing it. And it was funny because I, I heard a pastor one time, this was years ago. Um, he was saying something and he, maybe he oversimplified it, but it took me a long time to realize what he was saying. It was some, one of those things that like kind of irked me. He's like, I'm not doing this for you. And the point he was making was uh, my, my mandate is to be obedient to the King, right. not to you. I'm not doing this for you. And I remember I kind of huffed when I heard him say that. I was like, that's a little, that's a little self, but I get it now. I get what he's saying now. Yeah. Um, and that's really what it's about is, is all of us doing, doing, uh, being obedient and doing what we're supposed to do for the King, not for other people. But if we're all doing that, yeah, it's kind of like in marriage, it's like serving one another. Like that's something that my wife and I have been like serving one another, like your needs are met, like wh whatever, yeah. whatever, but ultimately the recognition that my wife can't give me everything and I can't give her everything. That's right. Only God can, right? But there's this mutual right. serving of one another and preferring one another um, along with integrating that with God. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think yeah. I had to decide a long time ago that for me, success was obedience, mm. period. You know, so if obedience looked like, you know, at that point, preaching to 20 people all the time, then that's what I was going to keep doing all the time, mm. you know? And if obedience looked like in another season preaching to nobody, I preached to nobody. And if obedience looked like, you know, whatever, if it looks like preaching to whatever other number of people, it will just be because God said to do it, yeah. not because it was my idea of success. And I keep going mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. You know, cause we get ideas for success in our mind oh, yeah. or even prophetic. How much time do we have? Cause I can, I can touch on something now. Hey, I'm good. I'm the yeah, other, right. whatever. <laughs> We get, <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm like, are we, do we have a red clock going on here? Or no, we, we don't. No, um, we're good. So, uh, one of the things that, um, I can touch on is just, whew, this is something that I, I've been teaching a little bit about lately because it's just been such a revelation for me. But, um, this understanding that we get this idea in our mind of, or not even in our mind right? We have, all of us have um, these big dreams, right? We want to be important. We want to do something. We want to be somebody. I think that's innate in every human being. Like nobody's like, I want to grow up and not matter, right? Like we all want to grow up and matter. We all want to do something that matters. But I think this desire for significance can actually become, uh, it can become um, the, the building of our own kingdoms, the doing of our own thing. Right. And that's where this, this whole message that God's been, um, kind of birthing lately about union, um, with Jesus, which sounds simple. Um, you know, like John 15, apart from the vine, all this, but I'm more talking about the union with Jesus in order to have authority to do, hmm. um, I'll explain what I mean. So Psalm, I think it's Psalm two. Um, yeah, it's Psalm two. So I had, I, I, I have another, um, I have on my YouTube, I think it's on the revive the way YouTube. Um, it's a message called, uh, apostolic union will break the power of Leviathan. 
Okay. So it's, it's a specific message about this revelation that I'll tell you about right now. It'll take me about two, three minutes to tell you. So um, a while ago I was at a gathering and um, just this senior apostle, just this amazing man of God, you know, late seventies and his wife, they were there from Oklahoma, um, Dr. Sam Matthews. And he and his wife um, prayed for me. And like, I was, I, God told me you're supposed to receive an impartation from them. So I went up and um, they prayed for me and his wife, Kathy was, was like, um, you know, she grabbed my hands and she was like, she was like, um, what do you want like that? And I mean, she's like, you know, like an older lady, she's very sweet, but I just didn't expect her to yell at me, you know, so she <laughs> yells because yeah. she's so sweet. Like I, it just was like shocked me. Mm-hmm. So she goes, what do you want? Like that. And I was like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. What uh, I uh, how do I answer this guy? Quite, I just yeah. wanted an impartation. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then I didn't say anything. Cause I'm like trying to think of what to say. And then she yells it at me again. What do you want? And out of my spirit came this like, like the nations, you know? And then I like collapsed on the ground. And um, Dr. Sam puts his hands on my head and he starts talking about the union of Christ. He's bringing you into a revelation of the union of Christ, you know, the nature of Christ because, and it was just, it was this crazy encounter, right? Where I was like before the throne of Jesus, his like hands are on me. And it was just like, in order to have the desire of your heart, which is the nations, you must come into union with Christ. So that sent me on like this whole like prophetic thing that began a series of revelation that God began to unpack from that point, because, you know, that came out of my spirit. I didn't like think about what do I want? Like, what could I use right now? Mm -hmm. It was like, that actually is the greatest desire of my heart for the nations to come to Jesus, you know? And so I'm like the nations and he's like, come into the union with Christ. And it was just like, okay, what does that mean? You know, and like the nature of Christ being established. And so immediately I thought of Psalm two, because that's the, that's the scripture, you know, ask and I'll give you the nations Mm -hmm. as your inheritance. But the interesting thing about this scripture is um, in, okay. In verse six on, he says, I have installed my King on Zion, my holy mountain. He's talking about Jesus right? I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father, right? So sonship, ask me and I'll make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. So how do we acquire the nations as our inheritance, the ends of the earth as our possessions? Because that belongs to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So the ends of the earth, the nations, they belong to Jesus, but he delegates his authority to us in order to acquire his inheritance for him, right? So in order to understand what that process looks like, we must have the authority of Jesus. And in order to have the authority of Jesus, we must be in union with him. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a couple, here's a couple. So, so then it talks about, you know, therefore you kings be wise and be warned rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling, kiss the sun right? Blessed are all who take refuge in him. It, it, it says some other stuff. So even if, if we don't, it will lead to our destruction, in other words. Um, so the point is, we've, ha- we've had this revelation of the Father, right? Where we, we've had a revelation of sonship. Yep, we're supposed to come into identity that's in the Father. 
We've had a revelation of union with the spirit that produces the power, right? The gifts and, um, you know, the, the healing and deliverance and all of this like revelation of power that has returned to the church. So we have the revelation of sonship. My identity is in, is in Jesus. I'm, I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God, right? We've got the power of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of leaders stop. Next, the union with Jesus, the intimacy with Jesus is what gives us the understanding to execute the blueprint. It's the understanding. It's the turn left here. It's the don't do it that way. It's the here's how I want this or here's how like, but we just think, well, I got a prophetic word that showed me the blueprint. Mm -hmm. I understand where I'm supposed to end up. And I've got all this power, so I'm just going to go. And so that's why a lot of apostles struggle with intimacy. It's a big problem. Because we don't think we need it. You don't think you need it. But the problem is it's cultivating pride because you think you can accomplish the will of God on your own through power. Mm. And so people start, this this is why, I think this is why most apostles that end up, you know, kind of building their empires, this is why. Because there's a lack of union with Jesus. And what that does is it empowers Leviathan over the church. And Leviathan is a manifestation of Satan. So I won't get into that too much if somebody's like, what? Like, listen to the whole message and it's on, it's on YouTube. But mm. um, that pride is always going to be the greatest downfall for any apostolic leader. And when Leviathan gets unleashed on your life, it's not good. It's not good. He'll, he'll, he'll do some damage. And what are those signs though that, I mean, I I, have a whole, I've got a post on this. (laughs) Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it. So, um, basically I did, I did that video. Then I also did a, a post so that I could kind of help people walk through it. And I've even personally walked through deliverance on this with several people. And I mean, I've had demons screaming out of people like, like, I had a, I was talking to an apostle the other day on the phone who was sick um, for 10 days, couldn't move. And I'm like, it's Leviathan. And he was like, okay, well, what do I do? And I was like, you need to repent. And I was like, you need to, you need to exchange influence for true authority. I mean, we start exchanging influence mm. for authority. Dude. That demon started screaming because what, the devil wants is to have authority over the church by divorcing us from our head, which is Jesus. So he wants to divorce apostolic leadership from Jesus so that they will lead out of their own pride. And it gives him the ability to lead the church instead of Jesus. So God is divorcing the church from this Leviathan influence, which is why he's dealing with false apostolic authority. Hmm. So Which I is a problem. It. I mean, just hearing you talk, I'm like, this is an actual problem within the church that God is dealing yeah. with actively right now. Actively. Like I can see it. Yeah. Actively. Man. Like false apostolic authority is being divorced from the body so that we can come back under our head, Jesus. And in order for Jesus to actually lead the church, we have to operate in humility. This is why, you know, the new wine skin, da, 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 I don't want to lay down my kingdom. I'm afraid of that. We have to lay down whatever Jesus tells us to lay down. This is where the fear of the Lord comes in where people are like, well, I just would prefer not. This is easier for me to keep doing this. It's like, you better not keep doing it. If God said, stop, Ooh, you better stop. Oh, for real. Right. So this is, this is the fear of the Lord piece where it's like, what if it costs you something? So what? <laughs> 
So what? Lay it down. Right? So I did a, I did a post on how to unhook yourself from Leviathan. This is on Instagram and um, Facebook too, but also the, you know, the full message kind of talks about it on YouTube, mm -hmm. but I'll just kind of go through it. So I talk about Leviathan's primary assignment is to remove the corporate apostolic authority from the church. So the apostolic authority from the church is meaning our ability to actually accomplish the mission of Jesus. So to take back the dominion of the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of God. That's the apostolic assignment over the church. Um, so to remove apostolic authority from the church by divorcing our leadership from the head, Jesus. So he's especially attracted to apostolic leaders with God-given influence to build the church. He seeks to turn real authority into false authority by bringing you into multi-layered partnership that causes you to focus on power and building while neglecting intimacy. John 15 says, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing and then of value, right? Because we can do a lot of things without Jesus, but we can do nothing that will remain, right? The will of Jesus can be revealed through scripture, through prophecy, but authority to execute his will comes from union. And then I put Leviathan's hooks. So this is like super practical. Leviathan's hooks in the mind. He draws people into unrelenting pride, narcissism, and self-importance. This is where like the spirit of Saul stuff comes in as well. And this stuff all works in partnership too. Like, so the, the narcissism, the pride, the self-importance, and then the hands, he gets you to trust in your own power and skills to build the eyes and the ears. He twists the truth and manipulates our perceptions of reality. This is why when you're dealing with Leviathan, you'll have like everything manipulated in your life. Everybody's words are manipulated. Your words are manipulated situations. Reality itself becomes manipulated through your eyes and everyone connected to you wow. because he starts to do damage. Ask me how I know. Um, heart causes you to help destroy covenantal relationships that you actually need. The tongue, accusation, gossip, and slander toward others, especially other leaders. And so these are the hooks that Leviathan will throw in you, right? Right. Jesus, when he was in the garden, right, which I'll, well, here's what to do. Some people might need to go through this um, individually, but there's actual renunciation, repentance, um, because what did Jesus say when he's in the garden in John 14, 30? He said, for the ruler of this world, he's talking about Satan, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. When he's talking about nothing, he says no hold or no claim in me, right? So Jesus is saying, hey, Satan can't have a hold or a claim on me or I couldn't accomplish my mission. Mm -hmm. It's the same with us. So we have to remove the hooks. We have to remove the places where he has a hold on us. Um, repentance, right? So I, I kind of wrote this out. Like, here's some prayers to pray for repentance. Here's some things to renounce. Um, reconciliation, realignment. You know, and repentance was, um, you know, believing that I can have true authority separate from intimacy for believing that I can build something of value apart from Jesus for participating in gossip, slander, accusation toward others for hurting people in relationships through betrayal and dishonor, right? Renouncing any words that you've spoken in agreement with this spirit, canceling the assignment of the words and releasing blessing over the people that you've cursed, mm. um, Reconciliation, so reaching out to repent and repair relationships. Realignment, verbally coming under the lordship of Jesus and rejecting independence. Asking the Holy Spirit to remove the false lenses that have been distorting your understandings of people and situations and inviting the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Wow. Right? So yeah. 
one thing that's really important, I guess, to just highlight with Leviathan is that you don't deal with it directly. It's not like a spirit of fear where you're like, I bind you and I command you to leave. Okay. You don't bind up Leviathan. It's it's Satan. You don't have that kind of power. Is it more so just you're coming out of agreement with you're it? You're coming out of agreement. Is so it sort I'm of I, I've heard people say that about Jezebel too, but I know that might I might I'm trying not I'm not trying to open a can of worms, okay? <laughs> but I'm just I've heard it's more like coming out of agreement with it. But you need uh, to remove its influence from you, and that's how you tear down its authority. Hmm. So you don't even address Leviathan. Okay. All you're doing is removing the hooks it has in you, mm. right? So um, principalities are usually like individual entities, you know, like which we won't go into like the Elohim and the yeah. you know, divine council. <laughs> that's and all another, that kind of that's another episode. That's another episode. <laughs> yeah. um, but basically Leviathan is a manifestation of Satan himself, okay. right? Look at Revelation 12. So you want to remove your agreement and you want to come sit with Jesus in the third heaven, right? Where then he's under your feet. So you remove your agreement and then Jesus will cast it down when you remove its influence from you, mm. right? So you leave it to Jesus to deal with it. Um, but the only thing that breaks the power of Leviathan in our life is coming under the Lordship of Jesus and humbling ourselves. It's the only thing that breaks the power of Leviathan. So that's why this is happening over the, over the whole church. The whole church is having to, to break our agreement with pride so that true apostolic authority can return to the church. And I'm talking about corporately the individual believer mm -hmm. so that we actually can renew the broken cities and restore the places devastated, yeah. right? Like this, this is our assignment, but we're not operating in our apostolic authority because our leaders are still in pride a lot of the time. And we, as a people are not understanding how to, how to humble ourselves corporately. Right. So that's kind of all I would say on that. That's solid, man. That's so good. That's a lot. Let's go ahead. And I just want you to pray for people actually. Um, because I think this is a lot and it's like, it was a lot. this is a, this is like a nice, there's a, lot. A, there's, there's a lot of meat. And, um, and so I think this is a good place to stop. Um, there's a lot, there's so many other directions we could go. Yeah. Um, and so I would love, love to do more of that for sure. Um, but go ahead and just pray for people as you feel led and just uh, close us out with that. Sure. Yeah. I know that was, that was a lot of little things for people to chew on and kind of get their, get their heart around and just take, take to God. Um, but yeah, let me, let me pray yeah. for you guys. Um, yeah. Thank you Lord for this opportunity and thank you God for this time together. And I just, I pray Lord that as we are corporately as a, as a body coming into new understanding, new revelation, that you would give us the capacity to understand that one of the manifestations of your spirit is the spirit of understanding. That you give us the ability to understand your ways, to understand what you're doing, to come into alignment with you. Even when we don't intellectually understand, we can understand through the spirit. And so I pray for the spirit of understanding to come and that we would be in alignment with you, Jesus, and that we would collectively come into the, um, come into the understanding and the, the humility that you're calling the church to walk in, that we would recognize that our true authority and leader is Jesus Christ. And so we all, you know, whatever you're asking of us, God, whatever you're asking of us to lay down, to shift, to change, to conform something in our life, you know, you're, you're worthy that we as the body of Christ would return to the centrality 
of the presence of God, the centrality of the person of Jesus, and that this would be the main thing, that we would no longer care so much about our structures and our systems and our beautiful things that we've created, but that we would repent for believing that anything we create separate from you has real value. Let us learn, Lord, how to live in humility and just increase that in all of our lives. Increase it in all of our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Man, so good. I, I'm, yeah, I took, I actually took a lot of notes on this very <laughs> covertly, but so good. And especially like that Psalm 2 laying that out. So good. Uh, so everybody, there are links in the description to a lot of what we've talked about. Um, oh, what was the date? Well, I'm not going to put it in the description, but what was the date on that one that you talked about with the Leviathan, that post you made on Instagram? Do you, do you have the date of that? You probably put away your phone. Um, let me see. I posted that on March 11th. Okay. March 11th. So now you guys know. Um, how can people follow you? You mentioned a couple of other places throughout the episode, but how can people follow you? Yeah, just my name. Um, Rayma Trainer is on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Revive the Way is the name of the ministry, which the information's there. Um, we do have a, a conference that's coming up, a gathering, new wineskin. You know, so if this kind of stuff is like, whoa, I want more mm -hmm. of that, like you should come in April. Um, we're hosting a, a gathering here um, in South Atlanta on April 27th to 29th. Awesome. So free registration. We'd love to have you. We well, we're on we're about 60, 60, 70% full right now. So Great. there's still some space. Get in on it, people. Link is in the description to that conference as well. If you are interested on in more information, Rayma, thank you so much. This was You're great. Welcome. So good. Welcome. So thank good. You for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, everybody, that's our show. Have a blessed weekend. Join us on Monday. We've got Andrew Whalen back. Uh, we're going to be kicking it. It's going to be a great time. Also, ElijahFire.com slash donate is how you donate. We really appreciate any and all donations. It keeps this whole thing afloat. There's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes. So even if it's five bucks, uh, just pray, ask the Lord how much. We really appreciate it. And then we take a portion of every donation and we funnel it into our water well efforts, a new wa fresh water well every three days in Uganda. Um, complete, community is getting completely transformed because of your guys' generosity and your donations. So God bless you guys. And we will see you on Monday with Andrew Whalen, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Thank you.